recording if i sounded a bit out of it for you dear listeners i was currently experiencing migraines and by migraines i mean every day for the past two weeks i have had like a really bad headache specifically on the right side of my face now it didn't happen all the time and sometimes i'd be able to like sit up for like at least an hour and at least do something so it wasn't like i was completely you know going insane and most of the time i would basically just be playing chess on my phone with my good eye but the days i did have i i had some experiences um you heard a game a little game called arc survival evolved there sam yes he said warily uh my that's weird it's i feel like if i'm uh, just a smidge quieter it doesn't pick me up, but that's weird because I didn't change any goddamn settings on my, on my microphone. Lynn literally messaged us like, well, I hope you have fun with your non-haunted, your non-haunted podcast, but somehow I feel like we're more haunted than normal. Oh my god. Um, so first of all, very first thing about ARC how how big do you think the the file size is in that game for the PC version? Uh, I'm gonna guess sixty five gigs to one hundred and fifty four. Two hundred gigs. Blech. Yeah, it, it, it's two hundred gigs. So to be to be clear, I'm playing this on Game Pass because I didn't want to like buy the game and like I had Game Pass already. Um, but. So, we also have an Xbox, and my wife and I wanted to play it co-op, so the idea was I just get them Game Pass and we can both play. So, I learned through doing this that the Windows 10 Game Pass version of Ark Survival Evolved is just a port of the Xbox version? Which is bizarre to me, because there's already a PC version of the game, and in fact, I'm pretty sure that's where it started. Yeah, well, maybe it's a Wii- um... Maybe it's like the uh, Dragon Quest PS4 Switch 
version Steam thing, where they released Dragon Quest XI on, on Steam and PS4. Then they made a definitive edition for the Switch that has a couple of shaders turned off and a couple of, like, it has, like, slightly less graphic stuff, but it has a bunch more features and content. And then they put, instead of, like, adding those features and content to the PS4 and Steam versions, they released a definitive edition on PS4 and Steam version that was just a straight porch of, uh, was a straight port <laughs> Of the Switch version. So it's still missing those, like, shaders and shit on the other version. And then, recently, I think, like, last week, they removed the other version from Steam. So if you want to get it on Steam, you have to get the definitive edition that doesn't have those shaders and stuff. What the hell? <laughs> Hashtag Square Enix. <laughs> Fucking... But anyway, my wife and I have gone into Ark with no knowledge of how to play this game... Um, we have, uh, two very lovely characters, uh, we, my character, uh, so we, it should be said, the, the base name it gives you, uh, when you start up the game is just human. Uh, I decided to make an awful, awful creation and name her Inhuman, uh, which I think is very, very much on point, uh, while, uh, Aiden decided to create a very short and stout man named Crunchbone Gunch. That's a good name. It's a good name. Um, we, we've had several adventures and learning experiences, ranging from walking ten feet up the beach and crafting a shelter for the first time. Uh, and by crafting a shelter, I mean getting three quarters of the way through crafting a shelter before morning rises and raptors, like, swam across the river and just destroyed it, decided to, like, consistently destroy us over and over again to the point where we thought we might just have to restart because they were just in the spawn area. <laughs> oh my god. And we we somehow... My game crashed after several deaths by Raptor, and we had ended up, like, it somehow rewinded time in the server to, like, the night before the Raptor attacks, so we're just <laughs> like, okay, we have to move. <laughs> So, see that was the game taking pity on you because it was like mm, not working with this raptor attack how about we just you have seen your mistake your foolishness I've and, learned uh, I will, do not build on the beach <laughs> I will drop you off here before this grave mistake we so we did finally end up like moving on and moving to like a zone like a little bit further down the beach, just, like, in cover, and we spent about three hours trying to build a house successfully while not retaining what I would say is human intelligence. Um, I, I felt like we were- I felt like we were slowly losing sanity, uh, as we tried to build this home, because- for one, uh, the way that game works with building is you like build foundations to start with, and then you have several snap points that you can build, put like walls and ceilings on. It, it's kind of reminiscent of like the Fallout Four shelter building, uh, in that sense. Um, we <laughs> we ended up building a pillar because like to build up a certain amount, you have to actually like add structural integrity. So we put on a pillar, uh, and we're like, okay, 
this will work. So we're like, we'll just put this spiral staircase in our house. That will work. What the preview image for the spiral staircase does not tell you is it actually goes up like three floors. So we ended up building this massive spiral staircase that we couldn't even get to because the ceiling was blocking it. And then, <laughs> and then we, with the pillar, we're like, okay, well, this clearly isn't working. Let's just put a ladder on the pillar to get to the second floor. Uh, so we tried doing that and Aiden has this brilliant idea to put like one of the hatchways, like it's like a floor with a hole in it in the middle on top of the pillar. But the problem is the pillar is also in the middle of the floor. So it's just a ladder leading to ceiling. <laughs> it took us like two hours to figure out like, you're just supposed to attach the, the ladder to like the edge of a ceiling so that it hangs off and you can just like climb up onto the ceiling. And when we finally figured it out, we felt so stupid. And I'm like, wait, honey, I got this. And I, I built another hatchway and I just put the ladder on the edge of the hatchway. So that it was hanging through the hole. And I'm like, I've done it. I have civilized our society. We have, we have come so far. We have made it. We have become human. But now you have, now you continue your arc adventure with learned skills and experience. <laughs> we have, we've gone through so much. The other game I would like to talk about, and I'm going to be much shorter because I don't have much anecdotal stuff about this one. Um, since my headache finally broke, I've been playing around with my PlayStation VR that I've had lying around for months. Um, I picked up this game called Static uh, Static Institute of Retention, which I picked it up solely on the pitch. Uh, and I, I did play the demo beforehand to make sure it was like actually like worth playing. So the pitch is like you're in like a scient uh, scientific like testing facility uh, and you are essentially handed, well, I shouldn't say handed. you wake up, and you have your hands in a box like this. I I'm just going to send an image to podcast chat in a box like this. Uh, it, it's essentially, it essentially functions as handcuffs. Uh, and you use like the, the actual PS4 controller to like move around and inspect the box and interact it with it in various ways. And essentially you have to solve puzzles using the box as the box itself is a puzzle and usually there are like puzzles around the room as well and it's like the most bizarre thing that's happening because at the same time you've got this weird static out science man like saying really cryptic shit just right in your ear it's hmm. a one-of-a-kind experience um if you have PSVR, it's 15 bucks. Go pick it up. It's really good. Uh, just, I don't know what to make of this game. It's it's fun. I've been having a good time with it, and I I feel scared to stop playing it because I, I know I need to finish it and find out what's going on, and then I'm scared that I won't know what's going on after I finished it because it's so cryptic. It's gonna It's gonna be one of those games where you're like, ah... I must be like two thirds at the end. No, you had so many <laughs> questions left unanswered. Why would you do this to me? 
it's it's exactly like that because I'm like already like I I believe I was playing it right before I got like on call. Uh, I believe I'm like on the second to last puzzle of the game, and I'm like really excited to play it, but. It's just so weird, and some of them are, like, really obtuse, and some of them just make really cool use of the setup. Like, um, just, I guess, minor spoilers for Static. One of the puzzle boxes has, like, a screen on it, and, like, it has, like, joysticks on it that you use to control, like, a little Roomba with a camera on it. So, like, you're looking at this screen through your VR headset on this puzzle box that you can move around and moving around a Roomba, like, (laughs) physically in the world and trying to figure out what the hell you're supposed to do there. It's, it's actively bizarre. Incredible. Should we talk about Bleach, Sam? Should we, should we introduce ourselves and talk about Bleach? We should introduce ourselves. We should introduce the podcast. Then we should probably get into Bleach. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Lily. And I'm your co-host, Sam. And See, I have a different tone at the end. You do have I... a different tone. We we don't have a third co-host. Um, so, I liked these episodes, I think. I think they're better than most of what we've gotten. Uh, there's things that annoy me that we'll get to. Um, oh, Sam. But but overall, they're, you know, they're pretty good. They're 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 serviceable episodes. Um, I guess let's just go ahead and start with my episode, episode forty-eight. Hitsugaya howls. The episode begins with the battle between Gin and Hitsugaya, with Izuru standing nearby. Hitsugaya tells Izuru to run as far as he can, as he may end up dead if he's even within three miles of Hitsugaya. The two captains clash with Gin on the defensive, though still seemingly unfazed. He comments on Hitsugaya's skill, referring to him as a child prodigy, describing him as dangerous. Gin finally adopts a battle stance, and the two clash once more, with Gin's sleeve being cut and his smile gone. We are off to a pretty serviceable start with the episode. It, it's like it's a good battle scene. Yeah, like it's a really good exchange. Like the uh, one of the things I've noticed is that they, um, like you've got Hitsugaya who's like jumping and flipping around, and he's just like doing a whole bunch of wild moves but they're they're like really on point and gin is kind of just doing like really simple like block here or parry there uh and then there's this really cool as shit bit where he stabs the ground and flicks up shards of wood at hitsugaya and then tries to stab him oh, it, it's very good there's also like a little part where like hitsugaya gets like super close to actually getting gin because you can see like like small locks of hair like fa- falling off it's really cool um, it's like, ah, so this is a battle on the level of two captains. Yeah, just some really good stuff. Like, it's, the episode starts out real strong. Absolutely. Uh, Gin rips off his sleeve and throws it towards Hitsugaya, leading the former to start attacking. Uh, he asks how it feels to be cornered, but Hitsugaya manages to evade, his eyes glowing an icy blue as he releases his shikai, Hyoren Maru. It takes a form of, like, a dragon made of ice, and it's really cool. Uh, Izuru mentally notes how Hyoremaru can control the weather, and he describes it as the most powerful ice-type Zanpakuto. Yeah, it's the- it's a dragon of ice and water that can change even the weather, and it's the strongest ice and snow-type blade. Uh. 
I think it's, it's like, okay. Ki- I think it's kind of funny to like just say that. Like th- this isn't like a criticism. I just think it's really funny to just say, ah, yes, it's the most powerful one of these. When I'm pretty sure it's also the first one of these we've seen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the first one of these. I think it's the first like elemental based Zanpakuto that we've seen. Like all the other Zanpakuto have been like weapons uh more or less doesn't uh doesn't momo's like shoot fire it shoots a fireball but i figured that was more of a like she's really good at hado kind of thing um so i i don't know i don't know if her if hers counts as a quote fire zenpakuto although we do know that there are fires and bakuto as well uh but this is the first one that's like oh no it turns into a giant elemental thing and it does like a bunch of elemental stuff because Momo's is still, like, a sword at the end of the day. It's just a really fancy sword that can also shoot a fireball. Yeah. In the following attack, Izuru gets caught and slammed into a rooftop and is immobilized. While Gin attempts to block, Izuru calls out to his partially frozen captain, who extends Shinso. Hitsugaya dodges, but Gin is all like, Are you sure that's a move to dodge? As the blade hurtles towards the unconscious Momo. Just in the nick of time... Hitsugaya's Lieutenant Matsumoto appears, blocking Shinso, but only barely, as it cracks her blade. She apologizes, stating that she came back to Hitsugaya after sensing Hyorin and Maru's spirit energy. She asks Gin to sheath his blade, promising to fight him if he doesn't, but as her blade cracks more, he smiles. Gin is terrifying! <laughs> yeah, he's pretty scared, and there's a couple of moments in, in during this fight where, like, he opens his eyes, and you're like, wait, hold on, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's like... I will say, like, I think Matsumoto appearing in the nick of time, while it does make sense, does feel, like, a bit contrived and a bit coincidental, but, like, I- I'm willing to excuse it because it's a cool moment. Like, I do... It-, it makes some form of sense in that... So she says, hey, I felt you, like, summoning your giant dragon spirit, so I came back. And previously, when uh, Hitsugaya... Because there's, there's a bit where Gin's like, hey, Izuru, we're going to fight, and if you're in the way, you're going to fucking die, so you might want to step back. And Hitsugaya's like, step back, bitch, if you're within 10 miles, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, if if there's the possibility of him hitting anything within 10 miles, I guess it's like, oh yeah, she sensed it and was like, oh god. Full speed. She sensed it, more like she almost <laughs> got hit by it, and is like, oh wait, I should probably be here too. <laughs> We cut back to the study chamber, with Ichigo exercising. Yoruichi thinks of the situation, noting that Ichigo has improved with alarming speed compared to other Soul Reapers, but only in regards to his combat skills. Ichigo puts on his shiakusho, and wonders where Yoruichi is, while the latter wonders if he can truly achieve Bankai in two days at this rate. She thinks of extending the deadline before remembering that Rukia's grace period was shortened, information she learned while she was out on reconnaissance. She does some mental math, noting that the arrival of the Dongai's cleaner, uh, you know, back in the very first episode of uh, the second season, uh, caused the group of Ryoka to arrive a full week earlier than expected, giving them plenty of time to extend Ichigo's training if need be. She remains unsure, however, as Urahara, the inventor of this training, is the only one to have ever achieved Bankai through it, and he said that training any longer than three days would be dangerous. Yeah, I like this, like... This makes... I wish we'd gotten this earlier. So, because we spent, like, two episodes, like, ragging on about how a lot of this is, like, weird and doesn't make sense. Um, 
Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, he, during this episode, they, speci- they explicitly say that the training is really hard on a person's soul and doing it more than three days might have, like, some lasting effects. Um, but also, like, the way that they, the way that she words, like, the way that she words the thing is like, oh, yeah, we should have arrived at this date. And then even with the thing being um, pushed up, we should have had, like, maybe one day's worth of leeway. But instead... We were thrown back in time, and we arrived a whole week earlier. I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it, it makes little to no sense, especially because, like, when when you go back to that episode, I'm pretty sure they have no reference to, like, showing up earlier than intended. Like, it's just, oh, we're here, and that's it. And, like, I guess you can go ahead and say that. Like, you certainly can say, ah, yes, we arrived earlier than intended because of this and this. But it's like, maybe you should have at least mentioned that when it happened. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's it's just, like, this weird thing. And it's like, they go out of their way to show, like, a timeline and to show that they arrived earlier than they left. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. It's It's like this weird, you don't have to show this. You just have to say... We turns out we had more time than we thought we did. That's it. Like that's all you have to say. And yet, you like they try to explain an extra thing, and then you're like, yeah, but that just gives me like seventeen other questions. It's 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 especially funny because the episode immediately goes back on it. <laughs> like, okay, I, I'm just gonna continue the summary here because the episode. Like, I was realizing this when I was writing the summary last night. I'm just like, wait, this episode just immediately goes back on this entire train of thought. Uh, and it's just, Ichigo, now getting irritated, calls out to Yoroichi, who, still lost in thought, remembers Urahara's assurance that Ichigo's natural abilities exceed his own. But that alone does not guarantee his safety for a longer training period. She decides to hold off on a decision for one more day. Meanwhile, Rukia has told some stunning news. Her execution date has been moved up, and it will now be performed tomorrow. Like, you don't need to say, hmm, maybe we should train longer. Although, maybe training longer would be, like, hazardous <laughs> to his health. But it's okay. Thanks to shenanigans, we have more time to train. And then it's like, no, actually, actually it ends up, like, going all the same. You don't have the, you have the same amount of time you thought you did. It's just, we moved it up an extra week, and you had an extra week of time. So, turns out it's all... You know, don't think about it. Just completely ignore the last ten minutes. It's fine. <laughs> the things tomorrow you have one day. There we go. It's like, what? It's it's so much. It's like you you literally. I I have to wonder what the process was writing like the manga chapter for this. Like I have to wonder if like Kubo's editor like looked at this and went like, hmm, this math seems airtight. Like what? <laughs> Maybe he was like, I'm sure this will come up again later. This will be very important <laughs> later. God. Uh, the Kido Core departs Rukia's cell, and then we get a cut to Hitsugaya and Matsumoto as they stand before Momo, who is now unconscious in bed. The former thanks his lieutenant for arriving when she did, as otherwise Momo would have died. We get a flashback to the fight, where Gin retracts Shinso and turns to leave, suggesting that Hitsugaya look after Momo instead of pursuing him, as he appears with Shunpo. 
President Matsumoto notes that Gigan has a habit of disappearing without telling her where he's going, while Hitsugaya questions how much of Aizen's letter was truly forged. In particular, he questions the line about the Sokyoku being stolen. I, I, okay, I, I like Hitsugaya's, like, line of questioning here. I, I do want to state, I think it feels very strange to, like, cut to Hitsugaya, Momo, and Matsumoto being, like, all okay, and then cut back to the fight? Yeah, like, it's, it's like, we cut to them to be like, this is what they're doing. Also, now we get the flashback, as opposed to, like, the other way around. Uh, but it also feels like Hitsugaya could have just told, said, told Matsumoto, like, I'm going after him. Take care of her. Yeah. He didn't. Um, he did not need I, to be the one to take care of her. Uh, but, you know... Whatever. There, we have a lot of th- this. Is for, like the most nitpicky thing about this episode. Like every, like all the other oh, things is, are much like more, like in your face egregious. I guess this is just like a little, a little thing. It, it, it's not like an actual criticism to have. It's just like a weird pacing moment. Like it, it, it just feels like a bit strange. Yeah, that that's it. It's just because Hitsugaya goes from like full on, like. I am I am prepared to murder, and he's just like super all in, and then he immediately goes like, mm, "You're right. I'm gonna gonna take care of her, child." <laughs> <laughs> A hell butterfly arrives and relays the message of Rukia's execution being moved up to 29 hours from now, stating that this is the final decision. Hitsugaya walks out. Matsumoto calls out, with the captain stating that he can't let this execution proceed with the Sokyoku at risk, ordering his lieutenant to come with him. We get several cuts of lieutenants and Gein learning this news as well, while Rukia sits next to the window in her cell. And then we get a cut to a familiar voice stating that he can sense his energy. When we get a cut back to the study chamber, Ichigo is busy fighting Zangetsu, and Yoroichi notes that Ichigo seems to be making progress, but that she can't shake this uneasy feeling, the feeling that something is about to break through the ceiling. And when suddenly something breaks through the ceiling, Renji arrives! Shocking both Ichigo and Yoroichi. He's like, Hey guys, I was wondering what y'all were up to. Is that your Zanpakuto spirit? Can I join? Also, Rukia's execution is tomorrow, and I can't save her alone, so... I won't interfere, don't worry. By the way, I can also manifest my Zanpakuto spirit already, so I'm close to achieving Bankai. And then he makes Zabiabaru appear, and Yoroichi is like, Okay, but Ichigo's definitely not gonna have enough time to reach Bankai now. And then Ichigo remembers his resolve, and he crushes his current blade with his hand, stating that she doesn't get to give up before him, since she initiated the training. She begins to speak, but he cuts her off, refusing to let her speak of what cannot be done, and that he will simply need to achieve Bankai today. So, there's there's a lot that happens in the scene, uh, <laughs> which is like, because part of it's like, okay, well, like, how does he find them? Well, I guess he was going out of the way, but Sokyoku's not out of the way. It's, like, fucking right in the middle of everything. Um, <laughs> uh, but then he shows up and he's like, can I join you? Sweet. I'm going to be over there and we won't interact with each other. <laughs> but it's all worth it. It's, it's-, it's all worth it because he sh- he makes Zabimaru shows up and Zabimaru looks sick as shit when it's, it's like, standing behind him. Like, it looks really cool. <laughs> It's it's great. Like I, I I'm so glad Renji's here. Like don't get me wrong. I <laughs> like when I the infliction I gave it 
for this like entire like dialogue is exactly how it goes basically because Ichigo and Yoruichi are just like standing in disbelief while Reggie's just like hey guys how's it going <laughs> yeah and it's like they drew so they over the course of the se- of the season uh compared to last season they've been drawing Renji's face like a lot um They've been drawing him less villainously, basically. They've been drawing, like, his features a lot less sharp. Uh, but then he he yeah. has, like, that full sharpness in this episode as he's talking. He's like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm here to cause trouble. But actually, I'm just here to <laughs> just here to train. Don't worry, I've got this. I'm going to be in the corner over there. Uh, like, good job. Here's the information that you should probably be aware of. Uh, and, then, and then he just goes, and then we get, like, the really weird thing of, like, Ichigo, because, like, Yorochi's been saying this whole time, like, oh, his spiritual pressure hasn't been rising. I don't know if he'll be able to make it to Bankai. No, 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 no. And then he's just, like, when Ichigo has his resolve, he just, like, is exuding spiritual pressure. And Yorochi's like, this guy. And it's like, I don't know if, sh- if the intention is, A, he'd been fighting at, like, a low spiritual pressure to be able to pace himself better in fights. Like, you know, that kind of thing. And she wasn't able to, like gauge him properly or b the realization that he's running out of time and kind of really needs to you know shit or get off the pot uh suddenly unlocked his power and i think it's the second but i would vastly prefer the first (laughs) i think i think what makes it really funny is that like the entirety of ichigo's like fights and training for these like really the entire series i would say uh like up up like ever since rukia got like you know abducted by like you know the soul society it's literally been ichigo like oh man i'm really struggling with this training hey uh kid you you know rukia's waiting for you right i've suddenly remembered i've suddenly remembered i have resolve i figured it out yeah it's like uh well i it's i could say he's consistent at least yeah, like it works. I'm I'm into it. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm sure this will get old eventually. But like it's very funny how immediately after being told, "Oh, you got a day by the way." He's just like, "All right. I just have to do this today." <laughs> it's like I just have to do this today. I previously did not have any information that told me otherwise because I was still thinking that I had to do it by tomorrow. <laughs> Ichigo, Ichigo, the king of deadlines. Well, technically the thing I said is a mistake, uh, because they, effectively, they thought they had three days to do the training, and now they only have two. So it is, like, an extra day early, but it's still, like, he's been fighting, quote, putting his life on the line, unquote, uh, in order to do this as fast as possible, like, this entire time. So, yeah, it's just, like, did you forget about Rukia? Fuck, I did. You know what? (laughs) Let's do this. Uh, let's it, let's do the last bit of the episode because I do have a I have a thing in the manga related to this, and I think you'll laugh. All right, you will laugh even more. Good, good. Renji smiles at this, and we cut to Rukia, who decides that she will request that Ichigo and his friends will be allowed to return to the human world. A request that may be fulfilled because she is part of the Kuch- uh, part of the Kuchiki clan. She admits to herself that she was surprised, but not sad to learn of the new execution date, and concludes that this is because of the dream she had last night, about the night she will never forget. She closes her eyes, and in the past, we see Rukia in the pouring rain, holding the corpse of a dead man as as she screams his name, Kayen Shiba. 
And then the episode ends. So, the manga notes for this episode, um, the, <laughs> the, there's, like, two kind of, like, sections, because, you know, there's, like, the Gien and Itsugaya section, and then there's the Ichigo and Renji and Yoroichi section, uh, and then a couple of, like, things in between. But, in the, so, in the first mm-hmm. bit, when, uh, when, in the anime, when Hitsugaya like, says, hey, if you don't, like, if you're within ten miles, I might kill you by mistake. Uh, in the manga, he says, if you're anywhere near here, I can't guarantee I won't end up killing you. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's probably, it's the same, it's probably a translation of the same line, but also this is much more directly like, Kira, you are helping this guy, and I'm really mad at him. <laughs> you might want to not be anywhere close to this. It's It's one of those, like, translation differences that it's like, it's just enough that it changes the tone to be, like, a bit more direct. And I, I, I like that about the manga right there. Yeah, like, it's more clearly like, oh, Hitsugaya is, like, is... He's like, hey, Kira, mm, you want to run, buddy. Uh, and then the other big... They're actually kind of a big change is... They don't do any of the sword fighting before he summons Hyorinmaru. Like, he, ju- oh. he just immediately summons it. Um, which is interesting because, like, yeah, that's that fighting doesn't really add anything to the story, right? Like, it's... The yeah the result and the characters are all, like, the same at the end. But it was really fucking cool. I'm really glad the anime added it. <laughs> like, I, It's one of those situations where I'm like, I'm glad the anime added it. I do think it makes more sense for him to start with the Shikai, considering Gin is also a captain. Yeah. Like, it definitely makes sense, especially since previously... The last thing we saw was him, like, charging up his spirit power <laughs> and, like, getting an aura yeah. around him. So it's, like, it makes sense to, like, flow into it. Uh, but I am glad we got to see, like, some really cool swordplay. Uh, and then on, Me as well. on the other side of things, uh, instead of getting, like, Ichigo being, like, like, he does the same, like, he's holding, like, a broken sword and then he just kind of slams his fist through it into his palm and, like, busts it up. But, like, that's kind of where it ends. Like, he has a really intense look on his face, but there's no, like, surging aura. There's no, like, reaction from Yoroichi. It's just, okay, like, Ichigo saying, hey, you started this meeting, the this training. Don't you be the one to give up on me. We're gonna fucking do it. And then it kind of ends there, and it moves on, it moves on to the next scene. <laughs> Ichigo, king of positivity, when he's told to be positive. He learned, he learned it from his, uh, he learned it from Zangetsu. <laughs> doesn't matter if you can't stand up i'll f- i'll pick you up by your neck and force you to fight jesus <laughs> don't never forget drill sergeant sangetsu i hate it but i also love it um and then uh at the very end we we learn in this episode or in this chapter that kyan is an assistant captain okay so yeah, I I figured we were gonna get on that next episode, which is that Kai and Shiba was a lieutenant. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, and then the end of the end of chapter gags are Yuzu's super heartfelt diary with super in the cursive, and there's even a little note that says she's only in fifth grade, but she can write in cursive. <laughs> Love that. Love it. Ship it. Sell it. It's perfect. And it's basically the exact same. It's the same dates as uh, Cones once. August 8th, cloudy. Ichigo came home this morning out of the blue. I was kind of surprised since dad had said that Ichigo would be gone all summer. I was really happy to see him. 
He said he'd lost his ticket for the bullet train and come home. How cute. (laughs) (laughs) And then August 9, Rainy. Ichigo's been acting weird ever since he got back. All he wants to do is watch TV shows with girls in bikinis. Maybe that's normal for guys his age, but it's like he's trying to avoid me. Come to think of it, he looks kind of different. I will say that's, like, an interesting little note, that he looks a bit different. Yeah, like, that's an interesting little bit. Because we know Yuzu is, like, she's weaker than Karin, as far as uh, the spiritual pressure is, but, like, she is noticing, like, oh yeah, there's something different about him, but she can't, like, put her finger on it. Uh, Did you want to take a short break? Yeah, let's take a short break. Alright, let's get the song from that. Bleh. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let's get back into it with episode 49, Rukia's Nightmare. We start the episode with Rukia's dream slash flashback, where she's being led to a room as a newcomer to the 13 court guard divisions, and told the captain will meet her shortly. She while looking the most stressed that I've ever seen her, <laughs> asks if people could, like, drop the formalities, since, like, she's not, she's a complete newcomer. Like, people don't need to be, like, like, the, the person showing her to a room is essentially, like, pandering, because he's like, oh, yeah, she's noble. Like, I have to be, like, super polite and everything. And, like, when she's like, hey, could, you know, could you drop the formalities? Like, it's fine. Like, I understand that I'm at a lower level than you are. And she looks so stressed. Like, there's, like, so many lines in her face, like, near her eyes that aren't normally there. It's like, oh my god. Rukia. Yeah, I feel really bad for her. And then, essentially, we gotcha. we immediately get, like, the reason for that stress. Because she's... Like, they close the door and then could just immediately forget that those doors don't block any sound. Uh, because we overhear just a ton of Shinigami talking about her and just like, oh, she's just a noble. She's joined the court guard divisions on a lark. Uh, she skipped the graduation test. She skipped tests to get into divisions. Uh, and Rukia's like, oh, guess it's the same here it's as everywhere else. But before she can get too in the dumps about it, Kai and Shiba walks in like a fresh breeze and tells everyone to get the hell back to work. Uh, and he introduces himself to Rukia. And then he gets mad because she's like, Uh uh-huh and he just grabs her by the head and he's like yo i'm your vice captain when i'm introducing myself you introduce yourself back and you call me sir (laughs) and she's like what's happening what's happening it's just a really good moment looks mildly terrified (laughs) yeah like she is like just completely shocked it's just like oh god what's happening but at the same time she's like Oh, like, he's treating me like a normal person. He's treating me as, like, this is a normal greeting. He's yelling at me because, yeah, I'm in the wrong here. And this is just a normal relationship between vice captain and subordinate. This is, like, exactly what I was looking for. Uh, and we also get, like, Kai, Kayan basically just says, like, yeah, so the captain's, like, super sick all the time. He's got anime disease, you know. And, uh, uh I'm basically the guy who fills in for the, I'm basically the captain. So, you know, you can call me captain sometimes. It's fine. It's cool. Uh, it's cool it's chill (laughs) later she reports to Byakuya that her introduction went well but apologizes when he asks her seat number with her abilities she wasn't able to become an officer immediately 
And he just dismiss like he doesn't even look at her. He just dismisses her, and we just we immediately go to the next morning, where Kyan's like, "Hey, why are you depressed? And also, why is it that whenever I talk to you, you like yell?" Uh, I understand her though because he just kind of like leans in from out of her eyesight, like he's super close. So it's like that would be kind of unsettling. Uh, yeah. He said he says like he, Kyan seems like pretty. Um, he seems to be able to, like, pick up on things really well because he's like, I could ask you, like, what the fuck's wrong, but I don't think you would confide in me even if I asked. But just remember, no matter what, I'm on your side. Like, as long as you're in my squad, I'm going to be on our side. Uh, yeah. Which prompts the uh, introduction of our favorite, question mark, pair of officers, Kione and Centauro to show up and they're just yelling about how cool and or lame the vice captain is being uh and Kyan thankfully is just like they're like they're drunk they're like they're fully drunk and Kyan's like oh my god why are you drunk what the fuck why are you you're on duty like he's just going on it's like why are you drunk on duty like (laughs) it's like oh that's Uh, I feel like every time we see Sentaro and Kione we're just given more reason not to like them which is very strange, considering, like, they're clearly there to be, like, comedic relief. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, they're just there, they're basic. I guess they, they needed to get a different joke because they couldn't, like, fawn over the captain, um, for reasons. But they're, you know, they're mostly just there to tease, uh, Kayan and also to, uh, tell Rukia, Don't worry, Rukia, I'm from Rukun Guy too! <laughs> yeah! I I actually, like, literally, I was, like, laying on Aiden while I was watching this episode, and I'm just like, oh, so I guess Rukia and, Ren- and Renji just aren't special. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, it- we need to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a little aside, um, there is a little bit of a cinematic parallel I really want to point out here, uh, and you may have, like, picked up on it too, and you may have been about to get to it, I don't know. Um, this entire scene is, like, framed, uh, by, like, Kayan and Rukia, like, having drinks, like, out of these little, like, weird wooden cans, um, but it, it just, it brings back cinematic parallels to the juice from, like, season one. Uh, with Ichigo, and I think that's really good. Yeah, it's like, it's basically uh, juice boxes with Ichigo, because the other thing is, like, Kayan looks a lot like Ichigo. Like, he's got, he's got black yeah. hair, and his hair is a little bit different. Like, he's got more of a, it's like, he's got, he's got Ichigo's hair plus a mullet, essentially. Yes. Um, and, but, and he's got, like, black purplish hair, but his features are very similar to Ichigo's. Um Absolutely. Except for the- f- And not only that, his his mannerisms are a bit similar. Like, the way he's, like, very- Like, he, he's clearly different from Ichigo, don't get me wrong, but, like, he has the same, like, kind of bickery attitude. He's a slightly you know? more mature, like, adult. Like, you could- He is an adult. Like, he, he's, like, twice- yes. <laughs> He's, like, twice Rukia's height, uh, for one. But, uh, so, you know, he he's, like, maybe a head or two taller than Ichigo- and he's also, like, built wider, but at the same time, like, his, the way that he bickers with her, it's less about, like, like, it, when he's bickering with Rukia, it's about, like, hey, you have to show proper respect because I'm the vice captain kind of stuff. Like, it's, it's, like, yeah. it's not, like, what you just said was stupid. <laughs> you draw bad. Yeah. <laughs> I miss you draw bad. <laughs> one day, one day it'll come back. 
Simpler times. We fast forward to later, and Kayan takes down a hollow while the rest of the squad stands, like, on edge. And we we see Rukia on the- like, we don't see any of the fight, so we just have to infer that it's like, okay, well, Rukia seems like she was knocked to the ground. Uh, she's got a couple of cuts and scrapes, and everyone's tending to their scrapes. And then she gets the help of a Lady Miyako, who is Kayan's wife. Uh, we learned that Rukio really looked up to her and admired her. She was the third seed of their division, and she was a beautiful, powerful warrior. And then we basically kind of, like, like there's, like, a, a little scene of them, like, talking to the other, but then we fast forward again, and Miyako was ba going to leave with a group. She's going to leave with a scout, uh, reconnaissance group to scout a new hollow that had, so far, killed all pursuers. Rukia and Kayan are- Sounds safe. <laughs> It's like, well, that's why they're they're not a combat group. They're a reconnaissance group. True. Rukia and Kain are worried, but she tells them that there won't be any issue. Waving a death flag so large, even Chad would have a hard time carrying it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, she's going on, it's like, like, you know, there's my, my pride as a soul reaper. I have to go out and uh, attack. The, I have to go out and make sure that I do my mission so that we can take down this hollow. That's a, that is like, don't worry, I will come back safely. Uh, I'm retiring tomorrow. It's fine. It's almost as subtle as the death flags that Uryu was putting up like a few episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, like it's it is a little incredible because it like immediately like she basically like walks off screen and then we kind of smash cut to. So, Miyako is alive but unconscious, and everyone on her team died. <laughs> it's like, wait. Beautiful. 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 Uh, and then, that night, she gets up out of bed and starts attacking other Shinigami. Uh, Rukia and Captain Ukitake rush to the scene, quickly followed by Sentaro and Kione, and she tries to attack Rukia, who can't move out of fear. Kayan puts himself in the way, asking her to stop, and while she hesitates, like, her, her arms are moving in, like, these stiff, jerky motions, so it's like, okay, she's not, like, fully in control of her, mo of her body, I guess. Uh, she does, like, jump away to continue her attack on other Shinigami of Division 13. The group gives, gives chase, and Kayan saying he has to go after her, even if it's a trap. That hollow forced Miyako to kill the people who cared for her, and it sullied her pride. Ukitake says he'll go with him, and then he also tells Rukia to go with him, and the group and like those three just run off after after Miyako. There is no reason given why Rukia's like other than she's there and like he tells Sentaro and Kione to ha to handle things like at the base. Uh so it's, but it's like there's no like real reason the given why he wants Rukia to come with them, uh, other than narrative convenience. Um yeah, it, it, it's a little strange, but, like, I think in the heat of the moment, I, I, I definitely don't think it's, like, a bad thing. I definitely think it's, like, more of a nitpick more than anything else. It is a, well, we also don't know what, uh, we don't know how long this is. We don't know if Rukia is still, yeah. like, we don't know if Rukia by this point is a seated officer or not. We don't know, uh, like, what her, we don't, maybe she's a better fighter than Kione and Sentaro. You know, like, we don't know any of this information. It's just, like, because we don't know this information, it's just really weird for him to be like, you, come with us as well. I, I do think it is, like, possible to infer, like, at the very least, just to give it, like, as much credit as possible. I do think it's possible to infer that her and Kayan have gotten closer, and that, like, like 
at, at the very least, like, it, it would make sense, like, emotionally for that to happen. Like, for her to be like, oh, I'm going to be here for you. And then, like, because I'm here, like, I'm coming with you. But, like, I, it's definitely not framed that way. Yeah. Well, it's also, like, it's not her that makes the choice, right? Yeah. Um, deeper in the forest, they find a hollowed self, as well as Miyako's empty uniform. Kain begs to be allowed to go alone and confronts the hollow, asking it how many Shinigami it ate. They banter a little bit, but the gist of what we learn is that the hollow is is just like a complete sadist who controls Shinigami from inside their bodies uh, before he like bursts out of him, turns into a hollow again, and then repeats the process. I do, I do think it's very strange because like Kayan's like, oh, so you controlled her, and he the hollow like I, I'm pretty sure the exact quote is something like, no, not quite. I was just inside of her. Yeah, like, it's a it's a weird thing. Like, uh, they start fighting, Kayan appears to have the upper hand, but as soon as he tries to transform his blade, turns out the hollow has a special power. If you touch its tendrils, or, like, its hair tentacles, your sword disappears, and, like, his sword just kind of, like, pops. Yeah, it, it kind of just, like, it's gone. Rukia wants to help, but Ukitake says they can't. If you help him now, you might save his life, but you would kill his pride forever. Which you know, you know that thing from the Grand Fisher arc. Yeah, like it's the it's the moment from the Grand Fisher arc from the, the at the time we had gotten this in flashback, uh, and Rukia is like, "Uh, that's fucking dumb. Why can't I do? Why can't I go help him?" Uh, Kain struggles against the Hollow. He's firing spells. He's like jumping on it and ripping parts of it out with his bare hands. And the ca- and while this is happening, the car- the captain like just keeps going. It's like it's super important that he kills this thing alone or die trying, like. <laughs> And it's like, and this is where we get the whole, like, some, there are fights to protect your pride, and there are fights to protect lives. Uh, and, like, I'm not against it, like, in concept. Um, and there's, like, di- there's different reasons. There's different ways to, like, present this scenario as, like, no, it's a good thing that Kain's fighting it alone. Like, you could say, it's shown us a power we didn't know it had, and we don't know if us joining the fight is going to make it worse. Or yeah. you could, like... Sit, you could go with the whole like there are fights that you go into to protect your pride instead of your of other people's lives and it's fine to have that big machismo I'll do this alone or dry trying moment but like it is it kind of goes out the window when like the sword explodes like when when the hollow does something just completely unexpected and it like kind of changes the terms <laughs> of the fight I feel that kind of like changes the whole like pride aspect uh, like it's it's weird it this makes <laughs> I it's just making me think of like Kayan just like getting grabbed by one of the tentacles and like getting repeatedly smashed into the ground or something. And Nikitaka's just like, listen, we have to let him figure this out on his own. Because <laughs> it's for pride reasons. And it's like, but Captain, he's going to die. No, no, I'm sure I'm sure he'll figure it out. Honor, pride, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'll circle back I'll circle back all this on at the end because I this makes more sense given the end of the episode, and I kind of agree with it then, but as the episode is going, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like, why? The, yeah. This expl- Like, I get the explanation, I just completely don't agree with it. I'm fully on Rukia's side here, like, y- y'all, sh- y'all should be doing something. Um, during the battle, the Hollow says it's gonna do the same thing to Kain that it did to Miyako, and it dives into him leaving its physical shell to, like, crumple to the ground. And the newly controlled Shinigami turns to Rukia and attacks her. 
Ukitake engages it, telling Rukia to run away if she doesn't want to die. Which, and this is the point where I'm like, okay, well, why'd you bring her here in the first place? <laughs> like, <laughs> if she's just going to be a liability and you're going to tell her to run the fuck away, like, what's up? Uh, the hollow taunts him. No, Ukitake just brought her so that he could tell her not to fight. Basic, like, that's exactly it. And I'm like, I, like, at this point, the only reason that he brings her, I assume, is is if it's so that she could be able to like be a support and like make, help him walk if he st- suddenly comes down with anime disease. That's like the assumption that I'm, that I'm bringing here. I'm like, well, that's the only thing that makes sense from my point of view. I guess. <laughs> uh, but because uh, otherwise, yeah, like he he just brings her and then explicitly says like. Oh shit, that didn't work. Rukia, run if you don't want to die. Run away. Don't fight. You don't get to fight. <laughs> it almost... It, it, it very, very much almost has the vibe of, like, a, a father in a movie, like, showing his son, like, something really awful and being like, no, you have to look. And it's like, it's not quite that, but it's, like, almost that by the levels of, no, you can't do anything. It's not far. Um, Ukitake and the Hollow have, like, a a quick conversation where, like, because the Hollow realizes that Ukitake is trying to not hurt Kayan, and then it's like, uh, you think you can unfuse us, but, like, this isn't, like, a spirit possession. We're two spirits who, and, like, our spirits are just permanently fused. And as soon as he says that, like, Ukitake is like, alright, fine, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Uh... (laughs) Which, which is great. Unfortunately, he doesn't do it in a, in a single hit, and that lets the Hollow jump towards Rukia while the captain's anime disease kicks in. And he's like, no, I fucked up. Ah! Oh, anime. <laughs> Rukia, still terrified, but having returned, uh, ends up just killing Kain's possessed body with tears in her eyes. Uh, and by killing, I mean he jumps towards her, presu- like, the, the Hollow jumps towards her to, like, attack her, and then she just kind of points her sword up and he lands on it um and kyan thanks the both of he thanks her and he thanks the captain for putting up with his request of a basically assisted suicide and rukia did not and never has seen it that way she's carried the gift like she this is where i'm like okay now it makes more sense to leap to let kyan fight alone because the way i figure is kyan's dealing with the grief of losing his wife uh, there's the whole, like, he's super mad at the hollow and etc. but, like, he's basically dealing with the grief of losing his wife, and at this point, he feels like he's failed, because, all like, a chunk of people under his command has died, and he's essentially going into battle looking to die himself. Um, but, yeah. but he wants to make sure that the hollow's dead. And this, and Ukitake picks up on this, and basically says, okay, I can't stop you, go, I'm not gonna, like, help you, just do it. Uh, and that's kind of, like, the way that, like, reading it in this way makes the scene make more sense. Uh, but it's also, like, it's it ends up, regardless of whether you read the scene in this way, it does feel like a convoluted way to have Rukia be the one to land the killing blow. And then... Yeah, for, like, a whole part of this episode like a whole bit i'm like okay so why is brukia the one to kill him like this seems very strange like what's going on um like and for a second i was like did she actually kill him is there a thing that i'm missing here what's happening (laughs) yeah and it's like i i would have preferred if 
you know, like, she came back, saw that Ukitaka was struggling, and then, like, killed him from behind, you know, something like that. Because even, even in the act of her killing Kayan's body, she is a, mostly a passive observer, because he's the one who does the work of jumping onto her sword. Uh. Not only is she, like, a passive observer, she's, like, she's basically a victim. Yeah, because at, at this point, like, Rukia clearly sees it as she didn't free Kayan, she didn't help him, like, fulfill his death wish. Uh, she's just fully believing that I've killed him, we could have done something else, this is my burden to bear. And she's she's carried that guilt all the way into present day. Uh, because we know that in the present day, like, Rukia's been going on, like, yeah, I'm the one at fault for Kayan's death. If the Sheba clan wants to kill me, they should get to kill me. No one should lose blood on my behalf because I'm guilty of this sin. And it's like, it's just like a really convoluted way to like put her in, while keeping her in a passive victim role to give her this guilt. Um, Yeah. Yeah, like there's some cool stuff with the Hollow and Kyan's fight. Like it's, it's interesting. It's like, this is a hollow that has specific anti-Shinigami abilities. Like, that's really interesting. And it does go into that kind of further uh, as the plot's going to go on. But it's all, like, in service of just giving Rukia this big guilt, uh, this big albatross hanging from her neck. But at the same time, still not letting her do stuff, still putting her in a passive victim role. It's like, come on. Come on, Kubo. I... I... On, on one hand, like, retroactively, this does make, like, the imprint of what happened, like, during the Grand Fisher arc, when she, like, remembered this moment of being told, like, oh, there are some fights where you have to, like, you know, let somebody fight for their pride or whatever. Like, it, it makes sense why she would remember it there now, but on the other hand, it, it is very much, like, Kabo, like, can, can you stop doing this to all your women characters like can you can you please like for once just like give them anything to do like at, at this point like one of the only like women that like has had any like actual screen time like in, even then it's very very minimal screen time one of the only women i haven't seen be like a victim is matsumoto and that's strange yeah. like it it's very strange to have seen matsumoto just suddenly be like ah I'm here to help stop a captain. And then, like, every other woman in the show has been a victim or, like, passive. And I will, like, Matsumoto is still, like, hey, captain, what are you doing? I'm gonna go save Hinamori. Go back to the, go back to the archives. It's fine. And then when she shows up, she does a block. And then she's like, hey, Gin, I'm gonna fight you. And then he leaves and the fight ends. Like, mm-hmm. Matsumoto hasn't had a chance to do anything either, is is the thing. Like, she gets one cool moment, which, granted, is more than most of the women in the show. Um... But yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's like we're we're clearly running into this wall that Kubo's set up again and again and again. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I will say, like, I do think th- these two episodes, like b- right before we go into manga differences, I will say I think these two episodes have been a a marked like upswing. Like they're definitely better than like the rest of the season so far. Like. I, I will go ahead and say I think, like, the previous episode might be, like, my favorite episode of the season thus far, which is weird because, like, not a whole lot happened. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm hoping we continue. It has that really hoping. sick anime-only sword fight. Uh, <laughs> yep. But yep. Yeah, so it's like, well, damning would fade praise, I guess. 
um going into uh oh right we we do get like a last scene of the of the episode where like rukia is thinking about her execution and then we cut to ukitake who finds byakuya and he's like did you hear the execution's happening tomorrow and the guy's like yeah it's happening tomorrow like don't if you keep making up a fuss you'll fucking die from anime disease shove off uh if <laughs> If, if they say the execution's tomorrow, the execution tomorrow, Rukia's gonna die. It's fine. She's part of my family, so you should stop worrying about her. It's my it's my decision to worry about my family, and I'm deciding not to. It's like, alright. Well. It's it's kind of funny, like, in, in context, because Ukitake, like, is like, hey, did you hear? And it's like, yes, I heard. It was on the intercoms. <laughs> like, everybody yeah, heard. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> literally everyone was yelling about it. Um, and it's like, okay. How could I not hear? <laughs> yeah. Um, as to the manga differences, we we actually get the Ukitake and Byakuya discussion before the flashback. Like, the chapter starts with it. And we get more interiority on Ukitake's part, where he's like, he wonders, like, oh, Kayan, if you were here, would you have attacked Byakuya? Would you have tried to save Rukia anyway? No, you wouldn't have done either, because you always chose the path of greatest peril. And that's kind of the line that made me think, like, oh, what if he's just, like, looking to die in a fight for some reason? <laughs> hmm. Although, I don't know what the line of greatest peril would have been if it wasn't, would have you would you have kicked Byakuya? <laughs> so it's like, alright. Um, and then, as far as Miyako is concerned, she has no lines. Like we get the same intro from Rukia at a distance, where it's like, oh yeah, she was Ka- she was Kayan's wife. She was great. She was beautiful. She was like super powerful. She was the third seed, and then it smash cuts to her ne- her dead body in bed after the recon mission, <laughs> uh, and also like she doesn't get up and fight anything. It's just straight up like, oh by the way, the recon team is dead, all of them, including Miyako, um, and basically like. They're like they have this conversation with Ukitake, and it's like, all right, we're plant, we're currently in the process of gathering a combat unit to hunt the hollow down, um, and we know two things: we know it stays in the same area, like a nest, and where it hunts its prey, and we know where the nest is. And Kain basically just says, "I can't wait two days. I'm gonna go fight that thing fucking right now." And that's when, like, um, Ukitake and Rukia basically follow along because they're the only people in the room. <laughs> So they're like, oh, makes sense. Oh, like he's going. We've got to go help him. Uh, and then during the fight, the Hollow says that it's in Pakuto destruction ability. It works once a night. But the really important part here is that we don't know it possesses Kayan until it actually does. Like we don't know that it can possess people until it possesses Kayan. I kind of like that more. Yeah, because then it's like, oh shit, this is a complete like oh, damn, like, it's possessed Kayan, like, that's, that's a twist, like, we weren't expecting this to happen. Um, <laughs> and then the, the one other big change in the manga is that when Rukia comes back and, like, the Kayan hollow, like, jumps at her, R- Ukitake is yelling, he's not Kayan anymore! Kill him! Kill him! <laughs> that's, that's actually incredible. Holy shit. <laughs> like, there's, like, three different panels where he's like, kill him! Quickly! <laughs> oh, how the turns table. <laughs> and I'm like, going from Rukia, don't fight, to Rukia, please, please fight! Well, like, he he still tells her, like, 
hey, run away if you don't want to die. Like, he still says that, but it's just when she comes back and when she's, like, frozen in fear and she's being jumped at, that's the point where he's like, kill him! <laughs> it's like, alright. You know, Rukia, like, you really can't blame yourself if your captain's, like, yelling that at you. I feel. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're in the line of duty, like, I mean, I I understand the guilt. I understand how it could haunt you. I understand how it could be a traumatizing moment. But you can't really blame yourself in that degree. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and that's kind of it. Like, the, um, the end of chapter gags, instead, it's just been, like, extra panels of, like, it's just, like, a sequence where a moon gets completely clouded over, and then in the episode where Kaya dies, it's, you don't see the moon, you only see clouds, and you see two hands, like, reaching up. And it's like, oh, that's, like, a really good, effective, like, really sad thing. I'm just going- well, I'm going to link you just the, pa the page where, uh, <laughs> where Ukitake is just showing up, and, uh... Please do. Oh, hold on. I, I want my re reaction- Oh my god, you're you're not even joking. It literally is just that. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just yelling cuz we we still get like the interior Rukia be, like the present Rukia being like when I came back, I didn't have a plan. I just knew I couldn't run away. I had to save the assistant captain. Kill him. He isn't coming anymore. Kill him. <laughs> it's really jarring. It's like okay. I love unintentionally, like, hilarious moments like that. <laughs> Lynn just <laughs> typed in the chat, like, I know Lynn isn't with us technically anymore. Lynn is still in our Discord. But Lynn, <laughs> we just posted this page in the Discord, and Lynn just goes, what the fuck? Ah, <laughs> oh, it's very good. Yeah, the... And that, oh. that, that's, pretty much it, that's pretty much it for Bleach this week. <laughs> it's... Yeah, the... That's pretty much it. Like, but I think like overall, like gripes aside, I actually pretty much enjoyed these two episodes. I am mildly terrified because my episode next week uh, appears to be a con episode, and boy howdy, I am not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, there's well, there's at the very least we saw con in the preview. I don't know if it's a full con episode or not. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's. Just... Oh, I'm 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 just like looking at the screenshots right now, like from like on the wiki, because I, I I like to follow along the wiki while we're doing the the cast, so I can like follow along with you, make sure I'm like getting everything. It is uh almost certainly a cone episode. <laughs> Alas, great. Well, let's um, let's just end it there then. Yeah, let's go ahead and plug our stuff. Uh, you can find our show at Bleachcast on Twitter. You can also email us at iwobleachcast at uh, gmail.com. And, you know, you, you can follow me on Lavender underscore Paws on Twitter, or you can follow my Twitch on twitch.tv slash Lavender Paws. I, I know in the previous weeks I've said I've been streaming every Tuesday and Thursday Assassin's Creed. Uh, that has not been the case because of my migraines, and frankly, we may have dropped the Assassin's Creed stuff because it kind of got boring after the first two. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you can just move on to the next game and see if that also bores you. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like, we, we had talked about maybe, like, just going ahead and, like, powering through the rest of the first game uh, or just, like, describing what happens because, like, I know what happens but Aiden might not as much. So, yeah, we'll see. 
And on my side, you can follow me at on Twitter at SSBSLJ. Anyway, thank you for listening. We It has been an interesting week. Uh, we hope you continue to enjoy the show. Uh, stay safe out there. Stay cool, Chads. Stay cool, Chads. Mata wara epa in